And all of you who are here visiting with us, we are so glad that you are here. Christmas indeed is a time full of delights, right? The food, some of us are full of more delights than others. The food, the music, the gifts, and of course, the people. Christmas is full of delights. And yet you should be warned this morning, Christmas is also full of dangers. According to USA Today, they report this, that Santa is dangerous. More than 270 children were involved in Santa-related injuries between 2007 and 2016, often falling off of his lap. Not only is Santa dangerous, but also supposedly gifts are dangerous. In 2016, 1,700 documented Christmas-related emergency room visits occurred, one of which was a 19-year-old man who suffered a laceration on his thumb from a knife opening his present. Not only is Santa and gifts dangerous, but also, as you could imagine, Trees are dangerous. Christmas tree fires have caused an average of $12 million in damage and 10 deaths per year, according to data collected between 2013 and 2015. Friends, as delightful as Christmas is, Christmas is also dangerous. The last three weeks, we have sought to focus our attention on the person of Jesus Christ. We saw in our first week that Jesus indeed is the promised prophet who speaks the word of God to us. We also saw last week that Jesus is the faithful priest who makes us right with God. And today, we take a look at Jesus again. Specifically, Jesus in his birth. And depending on the state of your life, depending on the state of your heart this morning, Jesus could be for you a joy, or it could conjure up for you fear. Jesus in Christmas could be a delight to you, or it could be a danger. Our scripture reader this morning is Dan Miley. Let's turn our attention to him as he comes and reads the word for us this morning. Good morning. Our scripture passage today comes from the gospel according to Matthew, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, what it reveals to us about Jesus. I pray that every single person here, that you would reveal Jesus personally to them by your spirit. Open our eyes, open our ears to see and understand who Christ is and respond accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. If you want to know the details surrounding Jesus' birth, you would do well to go to the the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2, which we heard the children reciting with Ethan this morning for our call to worship. We get a lot of the details, the shepherds, the angels, uh, even the history behind this. But in Matthew's Gospel, we get less detail. Right? We get in the first chapter uh, his family, his genealogy, and then we're simply told that he was born and that his mother called him Jesus as the angel had instructed her. Matthew, in chapter 2, just tells us where Jesus was born. That's about the end of it. He says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod. Matthew doesn't give us a bunch of details, but that doesn't mean what he tells us isn't important. He gives us an important detail. He tells us where Jesus was born. He was born in Bethlehem. Okay, who cares? Right? I was born in Syracuse. Where were you born? Who cares? Right? What's the big deal? So he was born in Bethlehem. Well, this matters. Because where Jesus is born is telling us who Jesus is. And I want you to hear that this morning. Where Jesus is born is telling us who Jesus is. Matthew goes on to tell us that wise men from the east come to Jerusalem and they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. These wise men should more properly be understood as magi. Magi, uh, most likely that were from Babylon, uh, because they were those who often studied astrology, Uh, They embraced that, and they 
would see signs in the skies, stars, constellations, and they would begin to observe them, examine them, and then begin to make interpretations about what's going on in the world by looking at the stars. So the Babylonians were known for this. And so they see this star in the sky, and they begin to examine, and they begin to interpret, and they say, oh, that must mean that the one who is born king of the Jews has been born. And we begin to wonder, how in the world do they have come to that conclusion? How would these wise men, these magi from Babylon conclude this? Well, no one knows, quite honestly. But you could uh, ascertain that probably years prior, during the captivity when Israel was there uh, in exile, maybe there was a Jewish community still in Babylon. And maybe they had heard of some of these promises that were made. Maybe they had heard some of the hopes of the people of Israel. And they began to combine those and see those stars and make their way to Jerusalem. For them, that's what the star signified. The birth of a king. And so they came seeking this king in order to honor him as such. And as they're there, Matthew goes on to tell us that Herod catches wind of this. As word quickly spreads in the city. And we're told that they're troubled by this. This is a troubling thing for Herod. I mean, kind of makes sense, right? Herod is called the king by Matthew. Herod is the appointed king of the Jews. He served Rome. He was appointed by the Roman Senate in 37 BC. So decades prior, Herod became the king of the Jews. Herod became the king of Judea. He was very powerful. But at the same time, he was historically known to be paranoid that he would ever lose his power. So much so that he was known to kill some of his family members, just to maintain order, just to ensure that his control was maintained, that none of that would be disrupted. He had a tight grip on this region. So you could imagine that news of a born king of the Jews would be received as a potential threat to the appointed king of the Jews. We also come to know that he was aware of the expectations surrounding the Messiah, this promised king that Israel had hoped for for centuries. He goes to the scribes and he asks them, right? Where is this king supposed to be born? Again, he does not want He's prob- actually, he's probably not really that worried about it, right? A, a baby, uh, he's pretty much got his control over the region. But at the same time, the last thing he wants is for hopes to be reignited in the midst of the people of Israel. The last thing he wants is for hope to be, to be conjured up and to begin to take hold of a people. Hope is a powerful thing in people. And so he did not want any disruption of the status quo. And so he saw this king, this 
born king, this supposed ruler, to be a threat. It's interesting to think about, isn't it? Right? When you're in control, when you have authority, when everything is under your direction, when you have the so-called freedom to call all the shots, when nobody's telling you what to do and how to do it, when you're in charge of your life, and even those around you, any idea that someone else is going to have authority like that or over you is a threat. For those of us who are happy to live in the current status quo of our lives, for those of us who have control of our lives, who live in a so-called freedom, who have authority to live and do what we will, Christmas is all of a sudden a threat to how we live and what we want. Friends, Christmas can be dangerous. In all his trouble, he goes and he asks the religious leaders. He asks them where this promised king was going to be born. And they know. Because they read the word. They read the scriptures. They know exactly where. And they quote Micah 5.2. They say, in Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. He quotes Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But that last phrase is a quote from 2 Samuel 5, when David was anointed king at Hebron. And so Matthew is providing for us connections. He's telling us something about who Jesus is. He's telling us something about this king. And he's pointing us to the kind of king that this would be. A king that was promised, yes. But a king that would be a shepherd. A king that would come and rule and lead and feed and protect his people. That's the kind of king that this ruler would be. And so on the one hand, Christmas is a danger for those who got it all figured out, who got everything under control, who are content with the status quo. But for those who are living life without direction, for those who have hoped for a deliverer, for those who are living under the tyranny of a power that is wicked, that they can't seem to control. For those who are living in oppression. For those who feel hopeless. The coming of a king who would shepherd them is a delight. It's a joy. It's a gift. So we see Christmas is either a delight or a danger depending on the state we find ourselves in, depending on the state of our heart this morning. Are you content 
to maintain the control you have over your life? Or are you aware of your need for a deliverer? Where do you find yourself this morning? Herod learns where the Messiah is expected to be born. He summons the wise men, the Magi, secretly, and he tells them the child will be born in Bethlehem, according to the prophecy. And so he tells them to go to Bethlehem, find the child, and do me a favor. When you find the child, come back and tell me, so that I too can worship him. And as we understand, as the story goes on, it was all part of Herod's wicked scheme to again maintain control. And in the end, eliminate this threat. We see what happens in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped where the place where the child was. The star stopped over Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why does this matter? Well, where Jesus is born is telling us who Jesus is. Jesus is this promised king. That's what it means. Jesus is the one God promised long ago. Jesus is the shepherd of Israel. The shepherd of the people of God. And as king, Jesus is the one who has come to claim a people for himself. He stakes claim over the lives of those who are living in tyranny and oppression under the weight of our most oppressive enemies. Jesus comes to defend his people. Jesus comes to conquer. To be valiant and victorious. Where Jesus is born, friends, is telling us who he is. Jesus is this promised king that's who he is don't miss that this morning christmas is a celebration of jesus christmas is a celebration of the king who has come to claim his own to defend his people and to conquer their enemies the most oppressive enemies that we could ever imagine satan sin and death is that a delight to you Or is that a danger? When you hear this, how do you respond? Do you respond in the way of Herod? Do you have this mixture of fear and hostility? Maybe at least resisting him as an authority, as king over your life? And maybe at worst, outright rejection of him? Seeking to find some way to eliminate him as some kind of ruler to stake any claim on you? Maybe there's a different way. Maybe we just respond like the scribes and the teachers of the law. It's interesting, right? They hear of all this and they do nothing. For them, it doesn't cause fear or anxiety. It doesn't cause scheming. It's almost like they live in apathy. Like it's just blah. Maybe that's you this morning. It's just a thing we do. It's a cute ritual. 
But at the end of the day, it makes no difference. Blah, blah. Maybe there's another way. The way at least the Magi illustrate for us. Look at what they do. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The arrival of a king is a cause for great joy in the people that live in his kingdom. Why? Because the king shapes their identity so much. When the king returns and he comes, he stakes a claim on people. He says, you're mine. Right? The, the catechism says that he exercised the office of a king by subduing us to himself. He makes us his own people. We're defined by him. That's the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus. He sees our state. He sees who has a claim on us. And he says, no, they're my people. I stake a claim on their life. And so we live now in his kingdom in all the blessings that he provides. It's our identity. That gives us joy. But beyond that, not only does it shape our identity, but it provides our victory. Jesus coming into the world is a provision of our victory. Because Jesus has defeated Satan's sin and death. That's what he's come to do. and That's what he does. Jesus is our king. He's our victor. Amen? No weapon formed against us shall prosper because of King Jesus. That is a cause for great joy this morning. So rejoice in the King. Honor the King by rejoicing in Him. Where Jesus is born tells us who He is. He's the King. Honor Him by rejoicing in Him. But not only this, worship Him. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They could not help but adore the king. Majesty conjures up adoration. I will never forget the ridiculous wait at the Tower of London for those silly jewels. My wife and I and the kids were in London in our sabbatical. And, you know, we get to the Tower of London. It's like, okay, when are we eating? You know, we're on that vacation. It's sad, I know. And it's like, you know, we've been there for a couple hours. We've seen all the places they would torture people and all this stuff and all the prisoners. And this person was here and that person was there. We saw all that. And then finally, it's like, get in. Here's the line for the jewels. And it's like a gazillion people deep. And I'm like, all right. Is it really worth it? Do we really need to do this? And Doreen's like, of course we need to do it. And I'm like, okay. So we get in line, and I'm waiting, and my feet hurt because I'm old. And I'm like, ugh, fine. You know, I'm hanging on the, on the railing. I'm that guy at the Tower of London. You know, sarcasm just flowing out. And we get inside there, and I'm like, finally, and then all of a sudden, wow. Humili- humbling. All these rubies and all these diamonds, and they shine so brightly. There was a majesty to the monarchy. 
that was unavoidable. And what happened to me over time was less and less uh, adoration of the jewel themselves, but I actually began to have a deepened appreciation for the kings and the queens in which they represent. And so the star, as beautiful and bright as it was, the Magi didn't worship the star. The Magi worshiped the sun. The Magi worshiped the king in all of his majesty. Let's worship the king today in all of his majesty. Right? That means surrender, friends. Worship is physical. They fall down and worship. But really, it's a total surrender of who we are to the superior one. We're inferior. His majesty calls us to adore him. So let's worship King Jesus. Where he's born tells us who he is. Let's worship him. Let's let's put our faith in him. Let's turn away from all other allegiances and worship Jesus, the King. And last, we're told that they open their treasures and present him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, this was customary in this time for an inferior to present the superior with a gift. Something of great value and worth that represents the giving of all that they are in submission to this king. And that's what they do. And so, cutting to the chase, how do we honor Jesus as king this morning? Give all to him. Hold nothing back from the king. And remember, Our giving all to Him is a response to Him giving all to us. After all, did He not leave the glories of heaven to come as our King to save us from our enemies, to live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death so that we might be saved from all that oppresses us from Satan in his wicked scheming, from sin, both the state of misery in which we live and also the actions that we commit, does he not deliver us from that most awful of enemies, death? The ultimate consequence of our sin. Again, we give all to him as a response To him giving all to us. Amen. So honor the king. By rejoicing in him. Honor the king. By worshiping him. Honor the king. By giving all that you are to him this morning. So what is it? Is Christmas a delight? Or is Christmas a danger? Maybe C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia can help us answer that question. There's a dialogue between Lucy and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. I hope this can help. 
Lucy says, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they are either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Course, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Is he delighter a danger? He's both. He's a king. He's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So honor him as such today. May your Christmas be full of rejoicing, worshiping, and giving. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. All that it reveals to us about Jesus Christ. He is your king. We rejoice in him. We worship him. We adore him. We ask that your spirit would give us the strength to respond by falling down before him and giving our whole lives to him. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.